Get ready to get blitzed on the Blitz Podcast at TheHuddle.com with your host, Steve Gallo and Harley Schultz. Welcome back for another season of the Blitzed Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gallo, joined by my partner in crime, the man that's been with me for God knows how long. Have we have we hit a decade yet, Harley, or does it just seem that way? Well, in dog years, definitely. Uh, in cat years, I do believe so. In hamster years, I'm not so sure. In football years, probably so. Anyway. Exactly. In, in ACL tear years, definitely. All good years, though. How's that? Exactly. So can you believe it? We're back already. It's the middle of August, which is incredible to say the least. Like, where did the summer go? Where did the spring go? I don't know. Well, like the Green Day song goes, wake me when September ends. I prefer it that state that song be wake me when September begins, because that's usually the start of football season for all of us. You know what else it is? It's What's a, that? It's the month that one player loves more than anybody, it seems like. Sammy oh. September. Sammy September, Sammy Watkins, everyone's favorite week one play on DFS. Uh, and a, as usual, he's going to come highly recommended by everyone here. There you go. Speaking of DFS, <coughs> we will not be having any DFS talk tonight. That's it. Um, no, there's no DFS since there's no, no DFS to outline. We're going to get into a little of Scott Fishbowl. Maybe talk a little bit of just drafts in general. And we're going to touch on the top 12 quarterbacks by ADP as, as well as how we rank the top 12 quarterbacks. Yes, he twisted my arm. I will rank quarterbacks. And then also we're going to do the same for the running back position. And then next week we'll do it for wide receiver and tight end. So before any of that can happen, though, before that ever happens, we can't go forward without throwing it over to Harley for this week's inaugural Blitz Podcast News. Thank you, Steve. The NFL hired former Judge Sue Robinson to act as an independent arbiter for penalties assessed to its players. Recently, she made the judgment to suspend Deshaun Watson for six games for his series of lewd acts involving masseuses. Immediately following the decision, the oft-maligned NFL commissioner, Roger Goodell, appealed her decision, saying that Watson's behavior demanded a one-year suspension at minimum. What I can truly say about this is that it is crystal clear that Goodell is very talented when it comes to how to mansplain league policies to the hired help. (laughs) Baker Mayfield, who was acquired by the Carolina Panthers from the Cleveland Browns, is locked into a preseason battle with incumbent quarterback Sam Darnold. Both quarterbacks were taken among the top three picks in the 2018 NFL entry draft, and each has sputtered towards mediocrity since their respective pick. Of course, that draft also featured young superstar quarterbacks Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen, both of whom were picked after them. When we asked both Darnold and Baker about their career struggles to date, they each replied with the same answer. At least we are not Josh Rosen. (laughs) Rookie Isaiah Spiller had a productive first preseason game this past weekend for the Los Angeles Chargers. Let this be your first advance warning that he is the annual Chargers running back that everyone will overbid for in week two waivers after Austin Eckler is once again criminally underused in week one. (laughs) Jets quarterback Zach Wilson is slated to undergo arthroscopic surgery this week following a meniscus tear suffered in last Friday's preseason contest. Early reports have Wilson missing between two and four weeks. In his absence, long-in-the-tooth veteran Joe Flacco is expected to start for New York. Of course, it doesn't matter how long Wilson is out, or how well Flacco plays, because eventually Zach will take over as the starting quarterback once again. Meanwhile, Flacco becomes an instant sneaky streamer for the first few weeks, especially in DFS, 
as he will have a relatively easy gig to start the season with all of the weapons New York has added around him. Oh, plus he also gets the bonus that he doesn't even have to worry about Zach trying to steal his wife because, well, she's much too young for him. <laughs> and finally, the Baltimore Ravens sustained a running back injury in the preseason last week as Mike Davis suffered a stinger during practice. Hmm. Where have I heard this before? A preseason Baltimore running back injury. Ah, yes. I can now say that it is officially NFL football season once again. This has been your BPN News Update. You know, you're, you're mid-season form, I guess, we'll say. But could you have slow-played the Flacco joke any longer? If you, <laughs> if you did, by that time, she'd have been old enough to be somebody <coughs> Zach would hit on. Well, I, I found out that Flacco and his wife were actually high school sweethearts. They were married back in 2011. Yeah, and you called him long in the tooth. How many years younger is he than Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers? Is he? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Maybe he's we'll have like, to find out. Well, he's, he's got to be. He's got to be younger than uh, Brady. Probably five or six years younger than Brady, but uh, he's probably uh, maybe only one or two years younger than Rodgers. Oh, we'll find out real quick. Let's see. Let's see. Um, Joe Flacco. We know his height. We know his weight. All that kind of stuff. Let's see if we know his birth year. We know he's elite. Uh, yeah, sure he is. I wrote an article on it. He's elite by the Tom Brady comparison. How does this have everything but his? Like I know his height in centimeters, but I don't, and his weight in kilograms, but I don't have his age. How is that? Now we're just gonna have to type Joe Flacco age. He's thirty-seven years old. That's kind of what I figured. He, I mean, yeah. he feels like he's been around for a very long time. Now, obviously, he's not Brady's age. Uh, he's not Ryan Fitzpatrick's age, but uh, he definitely has seen more than his share of NFL games. And I'm correct. He is younger than Aaron Rodgers also by a year. Yes. Okay. So where do you want to go? Where do you want to start with? We're going to let you well, drive this cart this week. <clears throat> well, uh, I think the first thing that we want to talk about is uh, this past offseason. Uh, we both once again participated in the Scott Fish Bowl. Now, this year's Scott Fishbowl was a little bit more unique than most years because it featured live drafts in several cities. Uh, I was fortunate to be a part of a live draft uh, in the city of Minneapolis. Uh, there were actually four different drafts in Minneapolis uh, attended by and hosted by Scott Fish himself. Uh, now, uh, where you were, did you participate online or did you participate uh, live? Ours was online. We, in Richmond, we did online. Okay. Now, was it a choice on your behalf, or did this not schedule one for Richmond? No, Richmond was always scheduled to be an online draft. <coughs> a couple of the guys said, hey, can we do, do you want to do live? And myself and some others didn't have that ability. But the one thing unique about Richmond is actually everybody taking part in it either lives in Richmond or lived in Richmond at some point. Well, one of the unique things about the or online versus the live drafts this year. Or surrounding is, area, no. I should say. Sorry about that. Good. This past season, or last season, Scott Fish allowed teams to have kickers in their lineup. Now, in the current format, uh, which is being run both on MyFantasyLeague.com as well as Sleeper.com, uh, Sleeper doesn't have the option to have a kicker as a flex position. So for the live drafts, all of which are being done on Sleeper.com this year, we were mandated to draft a kicker. Uh, so these teams will be slightly different. But what he did is he actually went out and he kind of adjusted the kicker scoring to make it uh, a little bit more useful. I mean, obviously, uh, you still wouldn't assume that kicker would score as good as maybe your third flex would score. But hopefully the uh, changes in the scoring help that somewhat. Because, again, as a live drafter, I've got a kicker. I, I did take a kicker. I took him in round 14, and as Justin Tucker, I figured go with the most consistent kicker in football, one who's going to get me points for distance. Nothing wrong with that. Did, did you take a kicker? I did not take a kicker. Um, now, can you start? You can't. Can you start more than one kicker, or you can only start one? You you can. Uh, well, on, actually, no, I guess on sleeper you on, probably can't because sleeper, that's what again there isn't about. a flex option for that. <laughs> okay, that's what I was curious about. You know, I'm not one to criticize Scott, but he should have possibly at that point thought to just make it that you can start one kicker 
as a flex, not multiple. And maybe that's just something the MFL can't manage. I don't know. Um, or just kick the kickers for all I care. But no, I did not draft a kicker since we don't have to. Um, there is a strategy where I've seen people draw, draft multiple. And you know what? When the buys hit, they're safe. If you want just find a good 7 to 10 points, you can swap a kicker in and you'll be pretty safe for that usually, right? Um, so exactly. there's some, but, but this early in the season, I'd rather spend that roster spot on a lottery ticket. And that's really what uh, most teams did. Now, in, in the live draft, uh, uh, to talk briefly about my, my situation with my draft, uh, among the teams in my live draft is a longtime friend and rival, uh, Brian Johnson, of formerly of LeagueSafe.com. He's now with uh, GuillotineLeagues.com, I believe, uh, another operation of Paul Charchian's. And Brian and I have known each other for about 15 years now, and we're, we're very big rivals with each other. Uh, he and I were in the same draft. And going into this draft, I had the third pick. Now, I had three options with that third pick. I was going to take either Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes or Jonathan Taylor. Ellen and Mahomes went 1-2. So I was left with Jonathan Taylor, which I was fine with. But because I got Jonathan Taylor there, rather than going quarterback heavy, I decided to do something that is normally frowned upon in a super flex environment, and that's go punt the quarterback completely. I actually didn't take my first quarterback until round 10 of this year's Scott Fitz, Fitzbull draft. Uh, although I will say this, my strategy to do so, I had actually planned on targeting a quarterback in round seven or eight, but my rival, Brian Johnson, at BTXJ on Twitter, uh, he decided to spend five of his first 10 picks on quarterbacks, including drafting some of the sleeper quarterbacks, uh, like picks is six and seven that I was targeting in that range before I had a chance to get them, so... My, my number one quarterback on this team in the 10th round was Carson Wentz. So for those that don't know, there's no trades in Scott Fishbowl. No. And the max amount of quarterbacks that you can start are? Two. And the least amount of quarterbacks you can start are? One. And he drafted five in the first 10 rounds. Yes. I don't know that that's such a wise idea because guess what some of those quarterbacks are going to wind up hitting waivers yeah and that's kind of what i'm hoping for i mean ultimately uh by round seven i think what happened is that he realized what i was doing uh going i ended up going running back heavy in this draft and he basically started to pilfer quarterbacks uh, again like round seven one one or two picks before me just to kind of throw me for a loop uh Again, it, it was fun, and this is the Scott Fishbowl, so it's all for charity. So a lot of it is us having fun, sure. maybe doing something that we normally wouldn't do. But listen to my running back core. So my first three picks, I went Jonathan Taylor, Delvin Cook, Derek Henry. Now, in most redraft formats where Superflex isn't in play, those three are among the top six or seven players taken in round one. Now, I got all three of those guys on my team. If you're in a two-man two league, you might not get all three of those guys. <laughs> now, uh, I, I went off of that, and I decided, okay, well, at this point, I could take another quarterback. I, I could take another running back. But there were like three or four running backs at that point that I still liked. So rather than being completely obnoxious and taking four running backs with the first four picks, I, I took a tight end by the name of George Kill that happened to slide to me at uh, in in the late fourth round. So I had my I had a, a top five tight end to go with my three big running backs, and then of course I came back around in round five and I did add my fourth running back in David Montgomery, a guy who I really like a lot this year. Uh, in, in an otherwise uh, decrepit offense, someone has to touch the ball there. Yeah. So. As different as your draft was, mine was probably just as different for me. Um, I, have one, I have one major regret 
in the draft. In round three, I selected Darren Waller. I have him as my tight end three. And I wanted to go strong at tight end. I, I don't, I just, the reason I regret it is I bypassed both Joe Mixon and Najee Harris for him. That's a tough call there. I, I love both Mixon and Najee Harris, Najee Harris in particular this season. And going back and seeing some of the tight ends that fell, I absolutely would have liked my team much better with Mixon. I'm not as high on Harris as many are, but I'm still, he's still in my top 10. Or, hey, stick around and find out later when we talk about it. Um, but, well, then, so we talked a little bit about how you can use one or two quarterbacks in this league. So Carson Wentz is obviously my yep. number one quarterback. Uh, my strategy of waiting till round 10 cost me mightily there because now if I choose to start a second quarterback, this is the motley crew I have to choose from. I got Seattle's duo of Drew Locke and Geno Smith. I've got Cleveland's Jacoby Brissett, uh, if and until someone's traded there or if Deshaun Watson becomes eligible. And I've got Tyler Huntley as a late-round dart pick, hoping that either Lamar Jackson suffers another injury or chooses to sit out due to his contract. So, while we're talking quarterback, that is probably what made my draft the most different. I think I've probably drafted starting quarterbacks later than, than round 10 in previous Scott Fish Bowls, quite honestly. Um, I've taken like the number 18 or 19, I think, quarterback off the board as my first quarterback in, in Scott Fishbowl and made the playoffs with him. Um, I think C.J. Bethard was one of my starters one year, and I made the playoffs. But this year, in my first four picks, I took two quarterbacks. Who would you end up taking? I took Justin Hurts, Jalen Hurts rather, at 2-3, so 15th overall, and then... I nabbed. I wanted Trey Lance. He didn't make it to me. Um, I went up going with Justin Fields at 410, 46th overall. Well, and because I've got such disparity between my uh, quarterback situation there, uh, I decided that if I'm going to get sniped on all these quarterbacks, I, I looked at guys like Davis Mills and yep. uh, Jared Goff, guys who I thought had some upside in like round seven, eight. Yep. Uh, I ended up spending my sixth round pick on my second tight end. So I've got Dallas Goddard as my backup tight end. So in a lot of the situations here, instead of starting a super flex quarterback, Dallas Goddard may be my super flex. There you go. So we've got some similar quarterbacks though. I actually wanted to target Geno Smith, Andrew Locke just to be safe, but I like mm -hmm. Geno Smith's upside more than Locke. Um, I missed out on Locke. I decided to still pull the trigger on Geno. Um, but I have Hertz Fields. I took Jacoby Brissett in the 17th round. I don't know when you got him, but he's at least probably, round 12. <laughs> okay, I got him in round 17, and I do think he's going to start at least eight games this year, um, but probably more than that. Could be the whole season. We don't know that yet. Um, Geno Smith, as I added, and then in round 22-10, so almost Mr. Mr. Um, what's, what, what do we call that? Irrelevant. Mr. Irrelevant, yeah. Um, I took Tyler Huntley for the same reason, worried about Lamar's contract, and he does get injured. And, and Huntley proved last year that he could be a serviceable NFL quarterback uh, in that situation. And, and who knows? I mean, maybe Lamar works out a contract agreement for an extension, and Baltimore trades Huntley to a quarterback-needy team, such as Baltimore or Seattle, at some point during the season. Now, here's the thing. I bagged on your buddy for taking five quarterbacks in the first ten rounds. I have five quarterbacks, but I took them through 22 rounds, and two to three of them I could cut if I want to. They exactly. Didn't, they didn't impede on starters that I was drafting. That's what I was getting at with him. Well, um, and here's the thing, too. While he was taking Davis Mills and Jared Goff and players like that in the 7th, 8th, and ninth round, I used the 7th, 8th, and ninth round since I waited on wide receiver. I got Amari Cooper, Darnell Mooney, and Chris Godwin at 7, 8, 9 in that order to be my starting three wide receivers, which is a pretty solid setup, especially if Godwin is ready for game one. So at wide receiver, I wound up hitting it in, in the first round. I took Justin Jefferson at pick 110. Um, then I didn't hit wide receiver again until the eighth round. Eighth, ninth, tenth round, I went wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver. And that's Christian Kirk, Devontae Smith, and Sky Moore. Um, I then skipped two rounds, hit Kenny Galladay, skipped another round, hit Alec Pierce, and then in round 16, I took a flyer 
on Will Fuller. I, I actually I wanted Will Fuller. He went one pick before me in, in one of the later rounds, uh, round uh, 14. Uh, so I decided to kind of take a flyer there too. And I took Sammy Watkins. Oh, there you go. Knowing that I'm going to play Sammy Watkins at least once, and that's going to be week one. There you go. <laughs> at tight end, I did not pull out the Dallas Goddard-George Kittle combo, but I have Darren Waller, who I have ranked very highly this year. Um, for what it's worth, I have him at three, so it's Kelsey and then Mark Andrews, and then I've got Waller. I have Kittle at four, and I have – I'm sorry, I have Pitts at four, Kittle at five. Then you look at it, I've got – Kittle at four, and I've Pitts at five. And it's quarterback concerns for me, right? You don't know what you're going to get with Trey Lance. We all think he's going to be great when he gets in there, but it could impact Kittle. We're not sure, right? Same thing with Pitts. We expect him to have a great year. You know, if he had more touchdowns last year, people might have been arguing for him to be, you know, the first or second tight end off the board this year. But you don't know how much you're going to get of Marcus Mariota. When are they going to go to to the rookie? Stuff like that. So from that standpoint, yes, you've got Devont- you have Devontae Adams in Las Vegas now, but I think Waller's more of a known and safe bet at three. I wouldn't be shocked to see him fall down to five and those other guys pass him, but that's why I have him at three versus four or five. And then to round out my team again, I, I took Tucker at kicker and a bunch of uh, dart throws down the line. I got uh, Devontae Parker, who projects as the number one wide receiver for New England right now. I had David Bell from Cleveland, who... I figured if nothing else, if he gets a chance to play and Brissett is still starting, he may become Brissett's favorite target in Cleveland. Uh, I added Cameron Braid as a third tight end upon hearing the news that Gronkowski was officially retiring. And I, I took a final, round, a final round flyer on Odell Beckham because, again, if he signs, again, he probably won't play for the first seven or eight weeks. But uh, if I can hold on to him at that final roster spot until he comes back, We've seen what Obell Beckham can do when he's on a good offense. So, yep. uh, Running back, I, I filled out with a couple of depth players. Uh, Dontrell Hilliard, who I believe is actually going to be the true backup in Tennessee to Derrick Henry. Uh, obviously, there's been a lot of press since then about Hassan Haskins playing really, really well and kind of having a similar build uh, to uh, Henry. So Haskins may pass Hilliard on the depth chart before the uh, preseason ends. But then I also got a, a late-round flyer on Daryl Williams, who had just uh, been acquired by Arizona. And I, I think that Williams is going to end up winning that job outright there, even over James Conner. I hope not. I hope not. Um, so <laughs> at tight end, I wound up going with, as a backup, David Njoku. I think that he cracks. That's upside there. Yeah, I think there's plenty of upside. Doesn't have to compete with touches. Um, you know, with any other teams, really, unless you think Harrison Bryant's going to steal enough looks from him. Um, so I look for him to make a jump this year. Now, at running back, my God, you've got to hear this running back stable that I have compared to you. <laughs> I mean, goodness. Now, remember, folks, my number four running back is David Montgomery. Well, let's, hear, let's hear Steve's running back core. My first running back came off the board in round five, and I went and grabbed running backs in five, six, and seven. And I'm looking at James Conner, that's why I said I hope not, and Miles Sanders, who I did not want. He was a fallback. Somebody sniped me right in front of Sanders. Um, I'm not going to tell you who I wanted, but they, I got sniped right in front of him. Right in front of me, I should say. Then I took Elijah Mitchell in seven. And the reason I didn't want Sanders was because I had another target I wanted later that I did get. So I've got the backfield locked up, but I have Kenneth Gainwell. Um, I decided to roll the dice on James Robinson. Um, and then this is where my dart throws come in. Chubba Hubbard, because we know that, you know, McCaffrey's had a hard time staying healthy of late, and you just never know. Um, Hubbard could carve out a little roll if that happens again. Deontay Foreman is another dart throw. And then, um, so I've got the backup locked up there if something were to happen to McCaffrey, right? Yes. And then Snoop Connor, because everybody likes a Snoop, so. <laughs> and he's, he's kind of come out this uh preseason too he's, he's looking pretty decent down there so truth be told i've been much higher on previous scott fishbowl teams that didn't do anything i felt eh on some that have made the playoffs and kind of made a little bit of noise i'm not real thrilled about this one the big regret like i said was waller for you know the mix and naji harris possible possibility so um yeah so it is what it is it's for a good cause and, and that's really all you can can hope for is that we we raise lots of money for you know fantasy cares 
Well, so we talked a little bit about who we ended up taking in these drafts. But how about the general population? Let, let's look at average draft positions now for teams, quarterbacks, and running backs uh, going into the season. Let's do it. Let's start with the quarterback position. And I'm going to run them down 1 through 12, and then we can talk about our personal list and, and each one individually, or not quite individually, but whatever. At number 1, ADP-wise, is Josh Allen of the Buffalo Bills. At number 2, Patrick Mahomes. Number 3 is... Herbert from the Chargers. We've got Lamar Jackson at four. Kyler Murray at five. Joey Ballgame at six. And then you have Jalen Hurts at seven. Brady at eight. Russ at nine in his new landing spot in Denver. Dak coming in at 10. Aaron Rodgers at 11. And then it is rounded out by Trey Lance. Well, of that 12-some, Dak... Rodgers and Lance did not make my top 12. Interesting. They did make mine. But I will say this. The first seven, eight or so are all pretty the same. Uh, maybe one pick off here and there. So that's probably what's going to make the most, most people look at, the, look at their iPod or their iPhone or, God, I'm aging myself, right? or however they're listening to us, when I say what my, my ranks are, and they're going to go, what did he just say? Um, for what it's worth, I'm going to start backwards and say, I had Stafford in as my, my quarterback 12, and then bumped him down to 13 and bumped Trey Lance into 12. And it really is all based on the upside that his legs bring. Um, the legs, if the arm matches, they, he could go up as high as 4, 5, 6, like Hurts did last year. Yes. Uh, again, I think there's just so many question marks about Lance. And I mean, obviously, they still haven't found a trading partner for Garoppolo. Will they just flat out cut him? Uh, will they keep him as the number two quarterback unhappily? Or or will Lance just is he, what happens if he doesn't play well this preseason? Right. Do they give the ball back to Garoppolo if he's still on the roster? Or do they trust Lance to go out there in meaningful games if he starts slow? Yep. That's a valid question. So let's go back because to the top. they're they're a legitimate playoff team with I think with either of those two quarterbacks. But if Lance doesn't live up to the hype, and I like his hype, what do they do? Yeah, with with that defense that I do expect to be very good this year, if they can stay healthy, that's always the the little asterisk that you put by things, right? Yes. Trent Dilfer could possibly take that team deep into the playoffs. Well, Dilfer was a game manager who won himself a Super Bowl, if I remember right. That is correct. Let's, <laughs> but let's go to the top. Who do you have in your top three spots? Well, my top three is the same three, but in a different order than the ADP. Okay. I've got Justin Herbert of the Chargers at number one. And here's why. It's a three-horse race up top, but the Chargers threw the ball more frequently last year than either of the other two guys I consider my top three. They also will be facing shootouts against each of their division rivals twice a year. They have two stud wide receivers on the outside. They've got a stud pass catcher out of the backfield. And he's only going to play two games all season with any potential for weather issues. That's at San Francisco in Week 9, which still could be reasonably seasonable there. And, of course, Week 18 at Denver when most of your leagues won't be playing anyways. Wow. Okay. That's probably the one person we're going to be the most, the furthest off on in the entire thing then. At number two, I've got the ADP's number one, Josh Allen. Allen's rushing yardage and TDs give him a slight edge over the rest of the top options at the quarterback position. He has two very good outside wide receivers, two very good, decent slot wide receivers, and he's got a touchdown-hungry tight end to throw the ball to. Oh, yeah, plus he, he gets about six or seven rushing touchdowns every year, too. And then third, uh, yeah, I hate to do this, but I I'm ranking Mahomey in third this year on the quarterback chart. The loss of Tyreek Hill, the loss of Byron Pringle, the loss of Demarcus Robinson, continued aging one more year of Travis Kelsey. I mean, I love Sky Moore. I love Juju Smith-Schuster in this offense, plus they had speedster Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who is among the league leaders in 50-yard or more touchdowns over the last 10 years. Uh, some of that will swallow some of the losses at the wide receiver position. 
but it's not going to be enough for Mahomes to hold on to the top spot anymore. So, wow. Um, we actually match on Mahomes. I have him at three also. I struggled to keep him there, and he's only there because he's Patrick Mahomes. Because of yes. all those different things that you said, I easily could have pushed him down. And if you, you listed out the skill players between him and Herbert, having Herbert above him does make sense. Except I have Herbert down at seven. Oh. Let me, let me give you my top three. Okay. I, I have Josh Allen at number one. It just There's no denying that he's a hoss. He's learned how to throw the ball. They learned how to center the throw around him. His legs add enough. You know, the goal line adds, adds that extra little icing on top that you need. That's why he's my number one. At number two, I considered putting Mahomes up there because he's Mahomes, but I just couldn't with all the extra stuff that he's lost. And Mahomes can add a little value with his legs, but it's not where he makes his, makes his hay, right? Um, I went with the guy that's probably a little riskier, but I went with Lamar Jackson at number two. Um, he clearly makes up for whatever lacking he may have passing-wise with his legs. And at three, I did settle on Mahomes at three. Okay, well, I'm going to give you four, five, and six then now. Okay. Uh, fourth, I've put Joey Cincinnati. With that wide receiver core, Burrow could be quarterback one this season before we're all said and done. What really concerns me is that this offense isn't going to sneak up on anyone this season. And he's going to miss the entire preseason due to an appendix surgery that was held just recently. Now, all signs say he should be good to go for week one, but don't be surprised if he's a little rusty to start the year. And, and even just a one or two game slow start will shrink his overall numbers. Plus, you know what? As much as Burrow is a great young quarterback, he offers nothing on the ground. At five, I've got Tom Brady, Tampa. You know, the lack of Gronk, uh, as well as most of his offensive line, has to make Brady feel a little queasy going into the season. I swear it's not COVID. Uh, still, he is the GOAT for a reason, but you know he has so many wide receiver weapons to choose from. And I mean, if he wants another wide receiver, he just call someone up on the phone and they'll come and play for him. Uh, again, assuming Chris Godwin is good to go early on, he's going to throw the ball until his arm falls off. No team last year threw the ball more often than Tampa Bay, and I really don't see any reason for that to change this year with that offensive line as poor as it is. I mean, he's going to be throwing the ball, throwing the ball, throwing the ball. Uh, Kyler Murray is my number six. Uh, we're talking about running quarterbacks or lack thereof. Kyler Murray is a running quarterback. He has a myriad of weapons to choose from. Now he's going to be without his top wide receiver in DeAndre Hopkins for the first few weeks. But once Hopkins returns, they'll be able to run an air raid offense with four deep on the outside, plus Zach Ertz over the middle, Max Williams over the middle, uh, and, and pass catching options out of the backfield. Uh, and, but you know what? When they're doing that, Murray could also take off and run the ball on any play and be effective in that. So I've got those three, four, five, six. Okay. So I'm going to have to give you four, five, six, seven, since I already told you who my seven was. Um, mm -hmm. At number four, I have Kyler Murray. And then I said, no, I can't put Kyler there because he does seem like he may not be able to hold up for a whole season and has some issues with injuries and stuff like that. So I bumped him down. Um, at four, I put Jalen Hurts, believe it or not. think he's gonna, he can add just as much with, with his legs as Kyler can. Um, has improved weapons to throw to. Kyler lost a weapon for the first six weeks. Jalen gained one for the full 17 weeks, right, in A.J. Brown versus mm -hmm. DeAndre Hopkins. Um, and you're splitting hairs when you do this, so quite honestly, right? We really are. But I have Hurts yes. at four. Then I have Joey B. at, at number five. So we're not far off on Joey. Um, I've got him at five, you've got him at four, and then I have Kyler at six. And I have Kyler at six over Herbert at seven because of the leg thing. Now, here's a question for you. Everybody seems to be rating Justin Herbert higher than Joey Ballgame. Let's go wide receiver for wide receiver, running back for running back, tight end for tight end. <laughs> Who's, whose skill players would you truly rather have? So you've got Keenan Allen, Jamar Chase. Yes, I mean, I'll just say right out, I, I prefer Burrow's top two wide receivers. I prefer Burrow's number three receiver. Yeah. Uh, obviously, I prefer Herbert's tight end situation a little bit. Uh, as far as running backs, 
I think that Eckler is a better pass catcher overall than Joe Mixon. Yeah. So I give a slight edge there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the biggest thing for me is, I mean, while Herbert isn't seen as a running quarterback, he actually provides some statistical advantage from a running standpoint uh, versus Burrow, who literally is – you'll be lucky if you get two carries for four yards for him in any given week. Yeah, I see that. And you're right that, you know, Burrow's going to play in worse weather, right? I just don't see that division outside of Cleveland being as tough as you know you once would have thought that it would have been. Um, and I think that if if Burrow didn't have the the appendix issue, and also his schedule is really tough this year, I'm much much more tough yeah. than last year. Uh, we talked a little bit about the weather factor and what that can mean, but not just that. I, I think that teams know what they're going to expect from Jamar Chase this year. They know that this team is going to throw the ball a lot. Um, and teams kind of planned for that. Yeah, I just think tough games mean more throwing, honestly. So I wouldn't be Possibly. I wouldn't be surprised to see that happen. So anyway, we're splitting hairs. So I gave you my um, four through seven, which is Hertz, Burrow, Kyler, Herbert. Okay. Well, and you 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 brought up my seventh player okay. earlier, and that's Lamar Jackson. Jackson lost one of his two, one of only two wide receivers. Wide receivers, receivable passing options from last season. It was him and Mark Andrews and not much else. Well, Marquise Brown is now with Kyler Murray in Arizona. Yep. So when you look at Lamar Jackson, it's like, well, now he's got Mark Andrews and Rashad Bateman. Now, we need, we need to wonder, too, what effect this lack of commitment from the team, I mean, not, uh, not agreeing to a contract extension for him, uh, I mean, is, is he going to sit out? Uh, might he play with a chip on his shoulder? Uh, he's still the most dangerous rushing quarterback in the league. There, there isn't a more dangerous running quarterback in the league. So if he, play, <coughs> if he plays up to his ability and happily, he can be good. And if Rashad Bateman can make up for the loss of Marquise Brown, then he can be good. But it's really a bit of a risk here with the guy. And, and when you look at this here, we talk about his rushing stats, but for the season last year, he, play, he played in 12 games. Right. 11 of them he played most of the game. <coughs> Forgive me. That's okay. That's just somebody trying to te- tell you that it should be Lamar Jackson at the top instead of Herbert. That's in, all. In, all of you think. <coughs> so... As you can see, I've worked my voodoo on Harley, and I won't let him say anything bad about Lamar Jackson. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, I get it. There is risk associated with any of these guys that run so much, and, and I know there are some that will say that that's unsubstantiated. You can't go by that. But, look, the more running you do, the more hits you take, the greater chance you have of missing time. So if you're somebody that wants high upside, that's what you get with those guys. If you want somebody that's a little more safe in a pocket passer like Brady or Burrow, you know what you're going to get. You don't, and they're probably going to be there more often than not. So do we have Harley back is the question. Yes. Sorry about that. What I was getting to with him is that in nine of the 11 starts he played the full game, he had one total touchdown. One touchdown in nine of 11 starts. Yeah, but that's revert. You, you just like if somebody had, if he had 15, you'd say, well, he's going to have regression in touchdowns. There's reverse regression too there. Okay. At number eight, I went in Jalen Hurts. I do not trust his arm. I do not trust his decision-making. I'm not even sure he's the best pure quarterback on their roster, but he does have Devonta Smith. Dallas Goddard and A.J. Brown. That's a huge improvement over Travis Fulgham, Greg Ward, and Elshon Jeffrey's rotten corpse. Yeah. Now, when you add in Hurts, tremendous upside on the ground. Where he goes, he's either going to be a league winner or a league loser based on his growth this season. And, and I picked nine. Yep. I'm going with Matthew Stafford. Uh, Stafford was always a productive fantasy quarterback. He just played on some really rotten Detroit Lions teams before last season. The offense in L.A. is probably going to be better this season with Ellen Robinson replacing Odell Beckham on the outside. The only reason Stafford is this low for me is due to the questions that have come out this summer about his elbow. 
He is getting up there in age, not quite uh, Joe Flacco's age yet, but he is getting up there in age, and he's thrown over 7,000 pass attempts for his career. That's got to weigh his arm a little bit. A little bit. Okay. That's what, your 789? Uh, 789. So I'll round out my 89. Sorry to give you seven as Herbert. Um, at eight, I've got Russ. I think that he's got some serious, nice weapons to play within Denver. It could surprise. Wouldn't be shocked if he winds up top five. Um, he has the ability to add stuff with his legs, but although it doesn't seem like he wants to use them as much in his older age than as he did earlier in his career. At nine, I've got Dak. And it's a conflicted spot to have him, honestly. Because you have to remember, you don't have Amari Cooper now. You've got CeeDee Lamb still, and you got Michael Gallup, and you got an aging Zeke, and then you got Pollard, and you got Dalton, Dalton Schultz. I could easily have swapped Dak out for Stafford and popped Stafford up there to number nine, and I wouldn't have really, you know, blinked my eye at it, quite honestly. But I have Dak at nine right now. I think in Dak's case, you just you kind of gotta have faith that Mr. Lamb will perform better as the wide receiver one this year than he did when presented that same opportunity last year. You also have to have faith that Jalen Tolbert is going to be a productive receiver as a rookie because we don't know if Gallup will be ready week one and we don't know uh, if uh, he's going to be capable of taking the next step as a true starter this year, too. Right. Uh, those are the main reasons why I left Dak just outside of my top 12 at number at roughly number 14. Uh, my 10, 11, 12 to wrap up is uh, Las Vegas Raiders' Derek Carr. Carr has watched his passing yardage increase each of the last four seasons. Now he gets to add arguably the best wide receiver in football? That's just not fair. Uh, plus, he happens to have a long, lengthy relationship with uh, Devontae Adams from the days. And so he's in a division that will be full of shootout games all season. His non-divisional opponent schedule is absolutely pathetic. Weather won't be an issue for this team at all this year. There's, there's really nothing on the ground for Derek Carr. He never really has been a running quarterback, but that's really the only knock on him this year. Yeah, he's great value in drafts, in my opinion. Uh, at 11, I've got Russ. Uh, Wilson loses two very good wide receivers, but he gains two solid wide receivers, plus maybe a little bit more depth at the wide receiver position than he had up in Seattle. He also gets to play in the division that will force him to get into shootouts. Now, age appeared to be slowing his, his game down a little bit last year, but I think in reality, he just needed the change of scenery, and I think he's still going to be a top-12 quarterback this year, but I do have him down at number 11. And number 12 for me this year is Kirk Cousins. A uh, new head coach in Minnesota will emphasize the passing game rather than being run first, as Mike Zimmer was. This is a really great idea when you have a wide receiver core of Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, and K.J. Osborne. Plus, they get back big red zone threat tight end Irv Smith, who was really jiving with Cousins near the end of 2020 prior to missing most of last season with an injury. I like it. Um, I gave consideration to Cousins being in my top 12 also, but he's just outside of it. Same with Derek Carr. Um, two very good, solid quarterbacks that I think are, are worth, make it worth waiting and drafts on. At 10, 11, 12, I found a way to fit Brady into my top 12. Um, his lack of running, and you just have to worry, is the arm ever going to fall off? It keeps him out of top five-ish for me. Um, and then at 11, I went with A-Rod. Um, I guess this year we're going to see just how good A-Rod is with what he has at wide receiver. Um, Did, didn't I read someplace, and, and Peel can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I'm pretty sure I read someplace that Rodgers is actually unbeaten in his career without Devontae Adams starting. I do not know, but... Well, no, I should say since Devontae Adams was with the Packers. Right, with them. Gotcha. Yep. Interesting. Um, but I don't know. If, as long as he plays all season, he always is going to find a way to get into the top 12, I think. And then, like we talked about earlier, I have Trey Lance at 12. As far as I'm concerned, it could have been Stafford. It could have been Kirk <coughs> Cousins. It could have been Derek Carr. I wouldn't argue with any of them. I'm probably not drafting any of those guys outside of Scott Fishbowl. Um, I was in a draft just recently last week. And I think 16 quarterbacks were off the board before I took my first quarterback. And I couldn't even tell you who it was right now, honestly. <laughs> well, let's look at the top 12 running backs then. Uh, first by ADP. So by ADP at running back, we're looking at Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler. Then you have Derrick Henry and Najee Harris rounding out the top five. 
At number six, you've got Cook. Then at seven, you've got Mixon. DeAndre Swift comes in at eight. Nick Chubb at nine. Saquon Barkley at 10. Aaron Jones at 11. And Alvin Kamara at 12. I actually, we're pretty darn close with the ADP for me here. Uh, the only exception is, uh, let's see. I'm trying to think of who is missing off of my list. Uh, I've got David Montgomery at 12, and we'll talk about him a little bit at that point. But uh, <clears throat> otherwise, I think I've got everyone else on here that you mentioned. I've got 11 of the 12 in my top 12. Yep, so 11, 11 out of uh, 12 for both of us then. Okay. Who do you have at number one? Uh, number one, I've got JT. Okay. It's Taylor's spot to lose up at the top. He's got great receiving skills. Uh, Matt Ryan doesn't have the arm that Matt Ryan used to have, so I expect him to have a fair amount of dump-offs there. Uh, and they really, I mean, we've, we've talked a lot uh, about Alex Pierce coming up this year as a possible number two wide receiver for them. They do have some decent receiving tight ends. But Indianapolis is still going to be a run-first team, I believe, and Taylor's going to be the, the main focus for that. At number two, I've got Christian McCaffrey. Uh, he's a long, dear heart to me, uh, as long as he stays on the field. And yes, that has been a major issue for the last two seasons. But with Deonta Foreman signed as a backup, they've got Chuba Hubbard now entering, uh, I think it's the second season or third season. Uh, hopefully the team can manage McCaffrey's workload a little bit better this year. But again, it's McCaffrey. He can catch 10 passes a game if he can stay healthy. And that's huge in a PPR format. And now the biggest difference between my rankings and the rankings on the ADP, I've got Delvin Cook in Minnesota at three. It's a new offense that's going to look to throw the ball more, and that may actually hurt Cook's rushing yards. But Cook is actually one of the better receiving backs in the league, and I think that that's going to keep him profitable, again, much like Christian McCaffrey, if he can stay on the field. Gotcha. So you want to give your number five? That way we can round out to your top five. Or you want to actually do six. Let's do half and half. Go ahead and do your five and six. Okay. At number four, I've got Derrick Henry. You know, people are going to forget that Derrick Henry had 10 touchdowns over the first six games last season, including three games with three touchdowns each. He was on pace to have his greatest receiving season of his career also last year. Now, yeah, he is one year older. He's coming off an injury. Both really nothing else to truly rely upon in this offense. Henry should still be option A, option B, option C, and probably option D for Tennessee. At pick five, I've got Najee Harris at Pittsburgh. You know, just like Henry, Harris will be the focal point of this offense. It's coming on the heels of Harris already having more targets and receptions than any other running back last season, including Christian McCaffrey and Jonathan Taylor. And at number six, I've got Elvin Kamara. Uh, injuries and offensive ineptitude really kneecapped Kamara's numbers last year. <clears throat> now, the only thing he has to dodge this year is the long, long arm of Roger Goodell. Now, fortunately, Goodell is too busy spending more time going after Deshaun Watson than Congress is spending chasing former President Trump, so Kamara's suspension will probably not happen until next season. Now, disregarding last year when he still had over 1,300 total yards and nine scores, Kamara's averaged just under 1,600 total yards per season and just over 80 receptions per season for his career. So you did have somebody in your top six that did not make my top 12. Oh, wow. And that is Alvin Kamara. And it is honestly because of the black cloud that's just hanging over him and not knowing. Um, I think there's just some running backs that have maybe not quite as much upside that where they could actually wind up in the top three, right? He's probably more of a mm – -hmm. his upside's probably top four, five, five, six range like you have him. So at that point, I'd rather – avoid that risk and I put somebody else in there. So at number one, I actually have Christian McCaffrey. I know it's a hard pill to swallow, but it's it just, if he's healthy, which you have to assume he is when he's starting the season, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He got, you know, he got unthrown last year, but it's his throw <coughs> to take back. So I do think that Alec Pierce and I think that Najee Himes and, being Matt Ryan at quarterback, it, it kind of opens up that offense a little bit. Ryan doesn't have to have that big arm. I think that um, Hines will be involved quite a bit, actually, based on some things we've heard. So 
not going to knock down JT too much. I've got him at two. I just think that CMC has enough in the receiving aspect of it to unseat him this year. At three, I do not have Dalvin Cook. I have Austin Eckler, who should catch a ton of passes. And I noticed you didn't have Eckler in your top six. Um, At four, I do have Dalvin Cook. So I I like Cook a lot, like you do. Um, That's not a stretch to push him up much from his number six ADP. uh, But I do think people are sleeping on him somewhat. I would have no problem if you said, "Eh, Steve, you got to put him at three or you got to put him at 12. I'll put him at three. Um, I like him that much. I'm going to shake things up with my number five pick. And I want to be curious if this guy even makes your top 12. He's healthy. He's in an offense that has no choice, but I think to use him, he has to be the central piece of it. I'm going back to the well with Saquon Barkley. You didn't fall off your chair, did you? No. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, Barkley does make my top 12 just barely. Uh, we'll talk about him a little bit later when I get to him. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that based on everything I've heard this offseason is – He's prime for a big season. Yep. And then I have DeAndre Swift at number six. And, and I probably could have swapped Swift with where I have Najee Harris. Um, <coughs> I just – we'll talk about Najee later. That's my top six. Well, as we've talked about, a lot of these running backs that we really, really like this year are running backs that catch the ball a lot. So just outside my top six is the pass-catching running back for the Chargers, Austin Eckler. Now – I just really wish the Chargers would realize how valuable of a starting running back they have. His 18 total touchdowns last season trailed only Jonathan Taylor last year. But you know what? 14 different running backs, including three platoon running backs, saw more carries than Eckler did last year. Now, fortunately, he remained top three in receptions. But then they went out and drafted Isaiah Spiller, which is going to further consternate his owners when Spiller gets like eight or nine carries per game. It's probably going to steal some of the rushing touchdowns from Eckler. I, I see a total touchdown regression in general. I, I, I love Eckler. I, I mean, the receptions are nice, but I, I think last year was his high watermark. Uh, pick eight for me, I've got Nick Chubb of Cleveland. Kareem Hunt wants out. Cleveland doesn't want to trade him, but you know what? It may behoove them to actually trade him rather than you know play an unhappy player who doesn't want to be there. Now, with Jacoby Brissett starting at least the first half of the season, Cleveland's going to have to be even more run-reliant than normal. And last season, only five teams ran the ball more frequently than Cleveland did. Now, that's only going to go up this season. Uh, Number nine for me is Joe Mixon. Mixon is the back you always draft at the end of the first round, knowing that his floor won't hurt you. What might hurt you is a TD regression, though, if the Cincinnati offense continues to try to satiate a three-deep wide receiver core. A TD regression could really be problematic for Mixon since he had 11 games last season with fewer than 70 rushing yards. He needs those few receptions he gets, he needs a few receiving yards he gets, and he needs those touchdowns, or his value really isn't that legit. Number 10, I've got a guy you've got a little higher. I could certainly see ranking him a little higher based on his projections. That's DeAndre Swift. In just his second season, Swift finished fourth among running backs in receptions. Uh, this was partially due to an atrocious receiving core in Detroit. They have improved their receivers, but they still have also strengthened their offensive line. You know, it may actually be the best offensive line in the entire NFL. If he continues his current growth path, I think DeAndre Sift is going to be the next, quote-unquote, Elvin Kamara, hopefully without the violent tendencies that come with that. And number 11, we got the guy that you just recently talked about, Saquon Barkley. The Giants completely retooled their defense this offseason, which should assumedly keep their offense on the field in much lower scoring, more close games. You know, that's going to help Barkley's production in general. Uh, you know, he just needs to stay healthy. The early reports out of camp are that Barkley looks closer to the stud rookie that was a former 101 in fantasy picks a few years ago than the fat, tired runner that we've seen the last couple of years. <clears throat> and rounding out my top 12, as I mentioned earlier, David Montgomery. Injuries and questionable quarterback play limited Montgomery's overall production last season, but an end-of-the-season return to health coincided with an average of five receptions per game over the last six weeks. With a still-below-par receiving core around him, Montgomery should continue to see ample targets from a developing Justin Fields. Okay, I like it. I do. Um, Saquon Barkley, the one thing I'll say, though, 
if there was anybody that has a chance to unseat Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler is the top dog with running back receptions. It is Barkley this year. That is totally true. Um, at seven, I have a guy that does not catch the ball much. I'm sorry. He's got more tread off his tires probably than maybe a couple of the running backs in the top three combined, and that's Derrick Henry. And I know. I know how he got out of the box last year, but he's coming off an injury. He's older. He's taken. He's dished some punishment out. Um, hey, look, getting him at seven, there's nothing wrong with that, right? Um, he went his highest three in the flex draft that I'm in. It's half-point PPR. So, or you can give him in third round of Scott Fishbowl. There you go. Um, at <laughs> eight, I have Joe Mixon. So I have Mixon one spot ahead of you. Um, at nine, I don't really like it. I don't like the pick. I don't know why I have him there. But I think that they're going to lean on the run a little bit more than normal, and he's involved in the passing game. I'm not as worried about A.J. Dillon as many people are. I've got Aaron Jones at nine. If I had to pick one guy in my top 12 who might finish outside the top 15, he'd probably be the one, though, right? Yeah, he, 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 that's the main reason I put him on my uh, outside of my top 12 is uh, we don't know what we're going to get from A.J. Dillon this year, and we don't know what we're going to get in general from that offense this year. At number 10, I'm going with the um, – man that reported to camp in the biggest shape of his life. I'm sorry, I didn't say best shape. Um, Leonard Fournette. <laughs> I'm going to hope we get playoff Lenny. Um, I've got him at 10. At you know, he was another guy who was just outside my top 12 only because I'm so concerned about how awful this offensive line is there right now with all the injuries. Yeah. That, again, I mean, he's going to have to catch the ball because there's not going to be any holes for him to run through. And I think that if I don't know that we're going to see Chris Godwin back early in the season or at least full strength, so he has a chance to, to really solidify that role from that aspect because of that. Um, at, 10, at 11, I have Najee Harris. I know I'm probably 100% lower on Najee than everybody else. I'm sorry I'm not sold on Mitch Trubisky. I'm not sold on Kenny Pickett. I'm not sold on the Pittsburgh offense right now. Therefore, I have to not be sold on Najee Harris. Yes, he could truly be the only cog that moves in that offense, uh, that's just my fear. And that's probably why I passed on him and Mixon back when I did <coughs> in, in Scott Fishbowl. Rounding out my top 12, I have a guy that he probably should be higher, honestly, especially when you have somebody like Derrick Henry who's got an ADP of four. You had him in your top, where did you have him, at, three or four? Yep. Uh, Henry, I had a four. At four. I've got him at number I got a guy that's kind of a clone of Henry at 12, and that's Nick Chubb. Yeah, he's got a better backup, but that backup may not be there. But it, his team's all about running the ball the way the Tennessee is, um, especially if they don't have Deshaun Watson to start the year or for the year at all. Chubb could be in for another great year. If he caught the ball any, he'd be top five easily, right? Yes. So that rounds out my top 12. We didn't have a single match in our top 12 at – the running back spot. I do believe we had a few that matched, two or three that matched at quarterback. But what we found is that it's pretty much the same 12 to 14 guys that we both have in our top 14, 15, as well as the ADP at there too. So yeah. uh, the ADP isn't that far off at the running back position. It's not. And a lot of times you'll hear, you know, the group think, or there's a marketing saying that the masses are asses, right? So you put yes. out three running backs to say, who do you want? Who do you like best? And, 90% of people pick one guy. Don't feel bad if you go the opposite way. Well, next week we're going to cover the other two big positions. That's wide receiver and tight end. Don't worry. We won't break down our top 12 kickers for you, though. No, that's not happening. You got me to do quarterback. You're not getting me to do kickers. <laughs> right? So next week, we, like you said, we'll talk wide receiver. We'll talk tight end. We'll maybe talk a few more drafts. There's some expert drafts that are going on. Um, Harley, I can't believe it. Our first week of the... 2022-2023 season is under our belt. So, you know what? This was a good preseason game for us. No injuries. Well, I'm sorry. You, you kind of... Uh, choking spell, but... You, you, were ch you were questionable to return there with a choking spell for a bit, but you got back in the game, and you're better than ever. So, all in all, I'd say we did pretty well. We didn't have any... God, I should knock on wood right now. We didn't have any glitches from a technical standpoint. <laughs> so, all's well. Looking forward to the rest of the season with you, my man. Um, for those that are new to the show, feel free to check Harley out on Twitter at NuclearHarley. You can, you can check me out at Steve Gallo NFL. If you are not a member of the huddle, do so. Lots of great stuff in the draft room. 
lots of great stuff, content that happens after the draft. And, of course, we'll take care of you with DFS throughout the season. And also the huddle is going to have DFS segments and stuff like that posted on the site. So, as we like to say, get blitz responsibly. Cheers. Cheers.